You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. All right, John chapter 20. We'll, we'll stop there. I would wax eloquent for a long time, and I'm not sure that you could call all of that eloquent, actually. So, John chapter 20. Let's stand together. This morning we went through a text, we went verse by verse and just explained it. And we're not going to do that tonight. I'm going to read this verse and then I, I will explain a, a little bit of, of what is happening in this case. Then, then we're going to turn to a couple other scriptures and then just really take some time to, to talk about the practical implications of what we have read. And, and so I, I hope that you'll really pay attention to that. So look at verse 19 of John chapter 20. Jesus has been crucified, he's resurrected, and this is the scene um, sometime after the resurrection, verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, notice this, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. When he showed them his hands and his side, that's when they realized who he was and it did something to them. I want to deal with that particular aspect of Christ's life tonight. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a day like this when we can recalibrate. Monday through Saturday, there are so many things that so many in this room face from their work, from maybe from their education, from their circle, from the culture, from television and social media and so many different facets. And we come together on this particular day We don't just come to any place, we come to what you called the pillar and ground of the truth, the church. We come to hear your word and to get our thinking right, even our feeling right. I pray that you have been able to use the day for that and that you would continue to use it through tonight's message. I'm so thankful that the truth of tonight is just that, that it is a truth and it comes from your life I'm thankful for how it has benefited so many in this room. So help me to be clear and even compelling in the truth. And, and then may it provide some things maybe that some so badly need with what they face in their life. And then may we rejoice in how you use the day and, and in how maybe it can be a help to Eastside Baptist Church and all that you want them to be in the future. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. I wish that I could be interactive for a little while. I'm not going to because there would be a lot of stories that you could give me about your scars. You, you, could, you could probably tell me, you know, some of you might point to a place on your face or a place on your arm or, or your trunk, you know, your body or, or your legs. And, and uh, you could say, boy, this, this is a scar that I got. And I would say, well, how'd you get that scar? Man, you go off in this story and it might be accurate. It might be embellished. I don't know, depending on your personality. Because you can make scar stories sound pretty good, can't you? 
I mean, you can come up with, I mean, nobody else was there. A lot of people, most everybody wasn't there. You can say, boy, yeah, I went through this. It might be some war story or something, you know, for one of the kids. And, and I, I think of, you know, when you're 58 years old, you have a lot of scar stories. And I remember early on in my chin, sometimes people have asked, Why'd you, how'd you get that scar on your chin? Well, we were roller skating, and I was probably about eight years old, and, and I, I didn't know a lot about life, but I, I knew enough that, that boys live to impress girls. And so it was my chance to kind of impress some girls, and in fact, two of my scars came from trying to impress girls. And so I was, I was in the skating rink, and, and it was one where, you know, it had uh, in the open area, you had the skating rink, but then the part where you, you go off to the side and put your skates on and get your skates. And most of that had an, an iron rail that had a couple, you know, crossbars on it, and then they had the open spot. Well, these girls were standing in the open spot, so how am I supposed to get up there? And I had seen this one dude, and he had... He had actually skated real fast up there, and then he skated under the bar, and the girls were looking at him like, whoa, that's great. So I thought, well, man, if that's what they think about it, then I'm going to try that. Well, I missed it by this much, and that's it. And so I just I plowed into that bar, and man, I hit my chin and just busted it, and, and blood's everywhere. And it is true, the girls were still going, whoa. But it wasn't the same kind of whoa, it was a different kind and so there's blood everywhere, and of course they scatter, and that, that kind of messed up, you know, that, that chance and in that case. And, and then I had another time where, where there, was this, there was this girl I was trying to impress, and I was actually at home, and, and I was probably about 12, 13 at this time. And of course those were in the days of Evil Knievel. Riding up here, I, I saw a sign for the Evil Knievel Museum, and I thought, man, I want to go to that, because I tried to imitate him a few times. And, and so ramps were all, all the rage. And so I, I had made this ramp, and I was going to break my record and how far I could jump on my bike. The problem is I, I didn't completely understand the laws of physics at that age. And when you get too long a ramp, and it's not very wide, then it's going to rock. And so, man, I hit that thing so fast, going to break the record. The problem is when I hit it, then it bounced, and it bounced me off to the side instead of to the front. Now, I may have still broken the record, but it was in the wrong direction, so I go over there and I, and I land on my face and, and with my chin and I, I just get another spot on my chin. So, you know, I mean, I can go through, I can show you a scar on my leg and I got a drill caught in my jeans and, and it's like I, I couldn't, I didn't know there was a reverse on it. So I think, well, if I keep pushing the button, surely it's going to let go and it just kept tightening. And so then it caught my skin up in it and then that was, that was extremely painful. And... And my, my greatest, well, then you're going to say, Ben, you're just prone to accidents. Again, when I, when I was about 10. And, you, and you're not even going to listen to the rest of the message when, when you realize how, how much of an ignoramus I can be. <laughs> so I found part of a gun in, in the trash at, at the house. And all I, it was a revolver. And all I, all I found of it was the chamber, which is where you put the bullets. So I, I got that chamber and I was playing with it and I didn't have anything to put in and I knew bullets go in. So I, I found some bullets in my dad's closet because I, I couldn't find any guns in the house, it just this, it, the trash. And, and so I got the chamber and, and I found these bullets and I thought, let's see if these fit. So yeah, it did, they fit. And so I put them in and I, then I was done playing with it and I thought, I better get those things out of there 
because if my dad sees that I got bullets out and I'm playing with bullets, he's not going to be very happy. So I, I, tried, I tried pulling them back out. I couldn't get them out. Then I'm starting to sweat like I'm going to be in trouble if my dad sees these bullets are missing. And so I'm, I'm trying everything I can to, to pull them out. And I thought, well, maybe I can get them to come out the other side. So I actually had the barrel as a separate piece. And so I'm holding the chamber like this. And I take the barrel of the gun and I hit the bullet trying to get it to go out the other side. And I was successful. Obviously, I, I didn't understand how a bullet worked then. And so I ignited the bullet and it was a... It actually happened to be a 22 long rifle shell, which is the reason it, it wouldn't come out. And so I went inside and, and just tore my insides up. And, and I ended up being in the hospital for a couple months and almost died. And then I wasn't going to be able to walk because it just shrapnel went everywhere and on my insides. And so, I mean, I've, I've got a scar from here to there just where they went in. And so I got those scars and... And well, just a few years ago that I'm running out at the lake in the morning and I just feel some, some pains in my left arm and it kind of goes numb. And, you know, next thing you know, after having run a couple marathons, I'm in the hospital having quadruple bypass surgery for a marathon runner. So not only do I have a scar from there to there, now I've got one from here to here. And I already have one here, so it's like, man, this is it's a trifecta, you know. And you, you, but all of you, I could say, well, we're going to give you the platform and, and you could tell some scar stories. Because you, you all have them. And the, the reason I, I use that as an introduction, because in some ways, that's a little bit of what's happening with the Lord right here. Because he's ascended, and he has, he, he's revealed himself to a few, but not many. Now, now he's, he's coming to reveal himself to the disciples and you notice in, in verse 19, he comes there where the disciples are, and they were scared of the Jews, and he stands in the midst of them and said to them, Peace be unto you. And, and it gives the implication here that maybe they didn't fully understand who he was, or they're not sure. And then they see him, and he shows them his scars. That is literally what he does to convince them of who he is. And these are physical scars that Jesus has. These aren't spiritual scars. I'm not saying they didn't have a spiritual purpose. Obviously they did. But he is standing there and in order for him to confirm to them who he is, then he shows them his hands and his sides. And, and, to, and, his side, and then the next word is then, meaning as a result of that, then the disciples are glad when they see the Lord because they realize that is him. And it identified him as who he was. His scars identified him. And it provided confirmation. And, and that is what led to their gladness. And it was this scarred person who, who brought them peace. And he goes on and he says, you know, peace be unto you as my father has sent me. Even so send I you. And it's this scarred this scarred one who revealed himself according to his scars. And what's interesting is they had witnessed the actual wounds being put into him with the spears and, and the, the crown of thorns and the nails and, and all that, that went into his hands and went into his feet and all that they had done to him. And, and they had observed that for the, the most part. They hadn't felt the same pain, but they had watched it. And so when they see Jesus come in front of them and they see these scars, 
then they're fully aware of how he got them. And they may not fully understand what they mean, but they, they have a sense that they are a significant part of his story and who he is and who he became, certainly. Would you hold your place there and turn back to Isaiah chapter 53? This would be a, a very predictable text. But Isaiah chapter 53, I want you to notice in verse 4, that this is a prophecy of Christ. In verse 4 of Isaiah 53, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Now notice verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. It was prophesied that scars, that these wounds that would come upon him, that these scars would be a significant part of his destiny. I mean, it was, he literally came to get these scars. And it became who Jesus Christ was. The, these scars were not an accident. They were necessary for what he was going to accomplish. They were necessary for what he would achieve. And he willingly took these wounds that others deserved. And those who had committed the sins, they deserved those wounds. But he took those wounds on himself. And they weren't wounds from the punishment he deserved. They were wounds inflicted by others. And so it was prophesied from the very beginning how important scars would be to his existence. Now turn to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. I think it'll just help us in order to make the practical application tonight. And there's going, we're, we're going to make a lot of practical application. But we need to get this about Jesus Christ First, so that our practical application is based on truth. In, in Revelation 5, there's an incredible worship scene here. And if you'll notice in, in verse 5, Revelation chapter 5 and verse 5, And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Notice verse 6. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been what? Slain. Having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. On this throne is a lamb, and this lamb has its scars. Because even in heaven, we're going to look at this lamb, and this lamb that is on the throne is going to be identified by the scars that Jesus personally showed the disciples to identify who he was. And those very scars having been prophesied hundreds and hundreds of years earlier. And if, and if you're looking at Revelation 5, at least 2,000 years later, Jesus is still identified primarily by one thing, by his scars. 
by the scars that he took. And it's part of the victory scene of Revelation 5. The throne of God literally highlights his scars. Now listen, church member, guest alike. You will largely be identified in your life by some scars. Your life too as a follower of Christ is likely to be identified in part by some scars that you go through. Understand scars and wounds are not the same. They're not the same. Scars are God's way of healing wounds. Wounds that come up on us and, and how God designed us is that these wounds come and they can be, they can be life-threatening, they can be life-altering, but the way that God designed our bodies literally in so many cases are, are pictures of that which he wants to do in our life. And there are physical things that take place that are pictures of spiritual aspects. And God designed our bodies that, that we have wounds and these wounds over time are intended to turn to scars as a demonstration of his healing. And God can still and still desires to use scars and certain kinds of scars to inspire and to bring victory. And you very well may have some times in your life that end up identifying you that were at one time wounds and have now become scars. You have to realize that the way God designed the body is that when there is a wound, the body begins immediately to help that heal. It, it begins immediately, it gets to work and starts so that it can, in many kinds of wounds, not, not trying to get graphic here, but, but a, a wound, as soon as that, that injury happens, then there's something about how the body operates that it starts forming at least a little bit of a scab. And that scab has a way of protecting that, that wound while it turns to a scar. So you have a wound, then you have in some ways you have somewhat of a scab, which is a temporary healing, but that scab provides a permanent healing and every parent knows what they've had to tell their kids at some point in time, quit messing with the scab because it, it, it's not going to heal if you keep doing that. If you keep taking it from scab back to a wound, it's not going to heal and you're going to have some problems. But if you will let the process take place, then God designed your body that a wound turns into a scar. So what is a scar? Well, a scar is evidence of a previous wound without the pain. Amen. I mean, sometimes there can still be some discomfort and a certain element of pain, but when a, when a wound comes and the injury comes, there can be some significant pain that comes with that. And, and in fact, a wound has to be deep enough for it to actually cause a scar because not every wound is going to cause a scar. Some wounds don't go deep enough to do that. And yet if, if a wound goes deep enough, then it takes a while and the amount of healing that needs to happen, that it, it is going, 
it's going to be deep enough that it produces a scar. I know some kids see blood and they're like, oh, then they, you know, they pass out. And I've been, I've been there myself at, at, at times in the past. And, and, and we think, oh, if there's blood, then it's really bad. Well, that's not always true. There are, there are wounds that you have had that you can't even see evidence of because they, they weren't deep enough. They, 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 didn't, they didn't do as much damage. But a scar is the body's natural way to heal a wound. So that it, it, is, it is not dangerous anymore. And as God intended it, the scar does not hurt like the wound. In fact, what's interesting is, is the body is designed to wall off this area. When there's a wound, the body begins to, to take certain resources and bring it to bear on this wound to the point that it walls off the affected area and it concentrates on it. And it has a way of keeping the other areas of the body from being affected by the wound. So the wound comes and, and the body tries to center it right here. And, and even the, the pain receptacle, it's just right here is where it's going to be felt. And, and so this, this wound is meant to be isolated just to right here. And that's the way the, the, the body is designed and yet, when you talk about what happens in some people's lives, some people, instead, it's like they allow their whole body to be affected by a wound. I don't, I don't mean literally now. I don't mean physically. I mean spiritually and emotionally. That some wound comes. And it's, if it is dealt with properly, if you will allow what God wants to do, that wound can be a very limited pain and scar. And yet if we're not careful, we cannot let God do what God wants to do. And that wound just begins to spread and infection goes to places where it never needed to be. And I've watched people who went through some tough challenges, but because they didn't handle it in a way that God could use it, it ends up affecting their whole life. There are people whose lives have been demolished that didn't have to be because they let some wound affect more than it ever had to. And it could have been limited in this small area or this concentrated area. You know, when we're talking about scars, there's a lot of different kinds of scars. Some scars you cause yourself. I mean, I, nobody shot me. I basically shot myself by holding this chamber and taking the barrel and trying to hit the bullet through to, and, and causing that. And, and when I'm, you know, on a skating rink and, and jumping, then I, I mean, I caused those scars. And, and sometimes these, these scars in our lives, not necessarily not, not the, the physical ones now, we, we have a, a way of causing them ourselves, maybe through some form of failure. Nobody else caused them. We did. And sometimes it may, it's not just, it's failure. Sometimes it's by stretching. That you're just stretching yourself and you're trying to grow and, and you put yourself out there a little bit further and you realize, man, I, I put myself out there and I got wounded and, and yes, that can happen. So some scars we cause ourselves, but then there are other scars that other people cause. 
Then they might come from somebody else's failure, somebody else that has let you down in your life and, and may be intentional on their part or sometimes may be unintentional and there, there are people that you have loved or there have, have been some maybe some children that you have or, or family or some friends or some churches will go through this where there are others that they, brothers and sisters in Christ can wound each other and maybe you've been wounded in that way. And there are different people in, a ch in churches and almost everybody has been wounded at some point in time. And the whole challenge is whether you will ever let that wound become a scar yeah. that is free of the pain, not necessarily free of the memory that the lesson provides. And sometimes in churches they're going to be self-inflicted and sometimes they're going to come from others. I think about our, our own church and I think about different people and the different kinds of scars and, and I talk about those only because I don't, I don't know all the circumstances in here but we have a young lady named Abby and they, they went, Abby went through the, the youth group with the Jets and they were her youth director and, and for, for a time there and they know Abby well and, and, and when I, I was pastoring in, in Morris, Oklahoma and Abby and her parents came through and and Abby had these spots on her arm. She was about three years old, and she had these spots on her arm. And, and uh, they were only there for about a day, and they were on their way somewhere else. And, and, and so we said, boy, you really probably ought to get those checked out in Tulsa. So they went to Tulsa and, and had somebody check out. And, and the, guys, you know, the doctor said, no, I, you know, I don't think it's any big deal. Well, they happened to have told him, you know, we did get a tick off of her, you know, a week or two ago. And, but, you know, it's probably not anything. And the doctor said, no, that, that's not anything. Well, by the end of the week, then she was in a coma. And turns out she suffered from Rocky Mountain spotted fever. And it just affected her brain and left her with dystonia. And dystonia is when competing muscles that are, that are next to each other, somehow the brain sends opposite signals to one muscle versus the next muscle to where the body can't do hardly anything that it wants to do. And Abby now is getting close to 30 years old. I don't, I don't remember exactly how old Abby is. And Abby has some scars that were caused by somebody else's failure because the doctor said it's nothing. She can't talk. She struggles to walk. Her mind is just as sharp as, as anybody else's. But she has some scars caused by somebody else's misdiagnosis. And she's paid a high price. One of the men on our staff, uh, Michael Scott. Michael's a black man, married a, a, one of the white ladies in our, our church, and they got married, and um, Michael committed a crime years ago and spent 16 years in prison and has the scars from that. And yet allowed God to take those wounds that happened early on and turn it into a scar. Michael caused his own, and, and yet now he's a dynamic staff member just that, that a whole church loves. And yes, a, a time when he's sitting in a prison cell serving a 16-year sentence, probably thinking, my life's over. But he allowed a wound to turn to a scar. And now it is simply something that doesn't have the pain of the wound but serves as a story that he gives over and over and over around Stillwater to other men, especially in the black community that he's trying so hard to reach. And is able to convey to them, listen, God can do so many things with whatever wounds you're dealing with. 
I, I think of, of the first Shaws. The first Shaws lost their son, Ben, to a car accident when he was 14 years old, also while the Jets were there. And this particular accident, Ben's not driving, he's in the passenger seat and, and his friend who visited, he invited him to church that night and his friend came to church and it's after church and they're, they're headed out, they're on a country road and the friend decides to, to race another car and, and they didn't see the crossroad coming or lost sight of it and when they hit that crossroad, then they actually go airborne and when they're airborne, the car turns over like this and when it comes down, it comes down on a steel post right on Ben's side. Ben is killed instantly. Core member of our youth group. That's another kind of scar. How do you get over that? I mean, it's a, at the moment, it is a wound, and yet we're talking almost 20 years later, and Steve and Evelyn still sit in every service honoring God. You have the Paxtons. Michael, our, our black staff member, married Mandy. Mandy's family was on the beach in Florida trying to find some shells. It's late Wednesday afternoon. They're planning to go to church while they're on vacation that night. And they happen to just look out into the, the ocean a little bit there. And, and they, they, they see just a, you know, a couple clouds, not any concern. Well, those clouds come right over them. And one lightning bolt comes out and strikes their dad directly. Good, good man. Brother Frank Paxton. Knocks them all unconscious. When the family comes to and they look over there and see their dad having taken a direct lightning strike. And one of those daughters is on our staff. The rest of them, except for one son, serving faithfully in the church because they allowed a wound to turn to a scar. It doesn't have the pain that it did back then. It's a memory of what God can do and how God can use a wound that becomes a scar. Now listen, a good life is not defined, please get this, a good life is not defined by an absence of scars. A lot of times we think, boy, a good life is one that everything goes smooth. No, you, you can have a good life and have been through some pretty serious wounds if you will let them turn to scars. And God designed these scars to replace wounds, but it's interesting that some people want to keep them wounds. They refuse to let them heal. They refuse to let them go. Sometimes there are offenses in a church and one person hurts another. And instead of allowing that wound to turn into a scar so that it doesn't cause any pain, some people just won't let it go. And they keep the wound alive and it, and it festers and it festers until it turns into an infection called bitterness. And bitterness infects the rest of the life. And ends up causing people as if they have an infection in their whole body. And, and they begin to look at everything through bitter eyes. And you watch that church member and you realize, I don't know if they're ever going to heal. For some, this wound might have been 20 years ago, 5 years ago, a year ago. And never will let it heal. Listen, if you have wounds that are fairly old that are still causing some pain, it might be that you've not let God convert them to scars yet. It might be evidence that you've left something open, that you're re refusing to let it heal. Because, a, yes, a wound is going to hurt, 
But once you let it turn into a scar, a scar simply can be a memory without the pain because of what God can do. And then you need to realize that one of the things about scars that it did in Jesus Christ is a scar is actually able, even with the memory of the wound, it is able to produce gladness in others. Because you realize what Jesus Christ did for us, he did through wounds and then that become these scars. And, and our, our salvation was actually accomplished because of what he went through. And he couldn't do it any other way. He had to go through the wounds and the scars in order for our salvation to be secured. And there might be some things that you go through in your life that you have to go through some wounds. But God wants to use that to actually inspire other people and bring some gladness to other people. And if you're not careful, you will just have a, an attitude towards it for the rest of your life that it controls you and it keeps you down and it keeps you from flourishing into everything that God wants to do when he actually wants to use that wound turned to a scar to produce some gladness in other people. Maybe through your testimony. Man, Joseph could have been bitter. He was abused in his home verbally by his brothers. And then they, they I mean, you talk about emotional abuse. They leave him in a pit to die and then they sell him to some foreign, some foreign traders and then he's, he's, he's in a place where he's totally unfamiliar and the man had every right to take the wounds done to him by his own family and become bitter for the rest of his life but they turn to scars and the man ends up on top and inspiring everybody since that cares to be inspired because wounds turn to scars. And boy did that produce gladness in others. The very, listen, please get this church member, the very family that wounded him, he ends up allowing those to turn to scars and he helps them. Yes. He becomes their protector. Well, how could he do that? That's the kind of God you have. Who can take the worst abuses that you've ever suffered at the hands of parents or siblings or others, whatever kind of abuse it might be, with the God you have and his track record for converting wounds to scars, you have no reason to live wounded for the rest of your life. Scars do involve time. They take some time. I, I remember... I, I, the, the surgery that I had, the quadruple bypass, and man, I was so thankful for our staff. I, you know, and I, I, I think Brother Jed probably led the, the, the charge, but they came up with this phrase of, I don't know, was it six months or three months or six months free? And I didn't have to take that much, but, but this, this is just the, the, the kindness that they had in, in saying, man, Quadruple bypass, he needs time to heal. And Brother Jet led the church and let's give our pastor six months free so he can just heal. I ended up not needing that amount of time, a lot less than that. But boy, I was surprised even at the end of, of three months and four months and even six months and seven months that I could still tell this, there's still some things going on in here. And because of the depth of the wound and the doctor telling my wife, said, you got to realize it's going to take a while because I literally held his heart in my hands. I had to take it out and hold it so that I could attach everything to it and, and, and re, you know, put these bypasses in. And, and that, that's a serious wound when they open up your chest and they're taking your heart out. And therefore, that's going to take some time to turn to a scar. There's no substitute for time. 
And I, I could say, I just want to get right back to work, but I couldn't. It was hard to get out of a chair because of the pain. And you're going to go through some wounds. And you're going to think, I, I want to be over this already. And yet God himself knows in order for proper healing, you need to go through this time. And you need to go through this time. And if you will give me, God would say, the opportunity to work through this and work through this, whether you caused your own wound or somebody else caused your wound, if, if you will give me time and give, give your responses to me, I will heal this in such a way that you'll look back and you'll be shocked that you ever had such a deep wound. I get to run now. And, you know, it's like... A, can't even tell I had quadruple bypass. And, you know, from laying on a, a table with your, your chest, you know, cut open by a, you know, a DeWalt or a Hope Milwaukee instead, you know, chop saw. And I, I'd rather be Milwaukee than DeWalt personally. And, and so chopped open because they actually use a saw and chop you open. I think that, that's incredible then to going to running and not even thinking about it. And I think what a dichotomy. And yet I've watched God do that in people's lives. Yes. With so much hurt. And so much pain. And some people want scars to go away so bad that they'll put themselves and others through so much to even get rid of the scar. It's like, I don't, I don't want any evidence of a scar. But a scar is evidence of God's grace and time in your life. You know, they say it takes, physically it takes about a year for scars to mature. And that, you know, a lot of people come to a point where their vanity and, and I say vanity, I, I understand some of it, and especially if you're of the, the female side where a little more vain than us men. I mean, I, us men are like, hey, let me show you my scars. And ladies are like, we're going to pay, honey, we're going to pay thousands of dollars to cover up this scar. And we know how, how, how that works. And yet it is true that, that sometimes people don't even want, they don't even want evidence of the scar. And people will spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and, and they'll go through so much to try to even get rid of the evidence of a scar. And yet, spiritually and emotionally, God says, I, you know, I, I, I want that scar to be a reminder to you of what I have done in your life. Yes. And then, I'm about done, but I, you need to realize when you see what God can do with a wound and how he can turn it to a scar, it really, Christian, ought to make us less fragile. You're right. That's good. It ought to make us less sensitive. And in order to make a difference in people's lives, you have to put yourself out there. And there's a lot of people that have put themselves out there and they've gotten wounded and, and they withdraw and they never do it again. If you're going to make a difference in people's lives, you're going to have to put yourself out there. Yes. You have to chance getting wounded. You have to chance getting hurt. If you're going to make a difference in this community, you're going to have to rub shoulders with people that you're thinking, they don't want to have anything to do with us. They don't love God. They, they're, in, they're in this addiction or they have, or have this background or this lifestyle. And, and this, is, this is not going to turn out good. Listen, you have a God who can take any wound and turn it into a scar. And he can use his time and his grace 
and it ought to cause us to say, if I'm covered by that kind of a God, I can put myself out there and I can take some risks with people and I can take a chance because God is able to do something significant with this. And you can even take the processes that God has done in your own life of turning wounds to scars and you ought to be able to go out and say with some passion to people outside these walls, when you see some serious wounds, you ought to be able to say to them, listen, I serve a God who can heal that. Yes. You, if you'll come to Eastside and you'll, and you'll let our people love on you and you will listen to the preaching and you, you will let people that have been through some of their own wounds use their stories of how they're now scars, their memories without the pain. If, if you'll come, we have a lot of people who will help you see something happen in your life that happened in their life. But they need you to let wounds turn to scars and let them heal so that you can let them know what God is truly capable of. Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 12, he says, when I, I had this, this wound of sorts, this, whatever it was in his body, some say it was a loss of sight or hard to see, others say it was other things, we, we don't necessarily know exactly what it was, but you know, he, he said, I, I had this in my life, and, and he, he gives us the implication that it made, it made things more difficult. And he says, I begged God over and over to just take this completely away from me. And yet he says, you know what I learned? That that's not always the best answer. Sometimes God leaves evidence of these things in our lives, according to Paul, so that it made him remember and made him dependent upon his God. Because otherwise he might decide, you know, I kind of got this or I can do this or he might decide I, I, I'm kind of done with all this and yet God left those memories of those challenging times in his life so that he would constantly turn to the Lord. Yes. And he became so effective because of that. And this was a man who not only had the wounds that he got from God, he had the wounds that he had caused in other people's lives. He made widows and yet he had to come to a point of saying, I I'm going to let God heal those so that I can be effective. So we get into invitation time tonight. Are there some open wounds here? Are, are there some wrongs that have been done? Some of you holding on to something that is starting to fester and infect. Are, are, are some of you placing a lid on your on your life that God wants to remove because of something you've been through, something that somebody did, maybe something that you did. Maybe at invitation time you ought to say, Lord, I, I just want to offer this wound up to you and, and say, well, will you take it? Can, can I just offer it again to you so that you can begin the process of turning it into a scar and then others of you that maybe the wound has turned to a scar, invitation time, you might would say, God, help me to use my scar as it identifies me to use that scar to help others like Jesus did. Because he wants to.
Would you take the deepest, maybe the longest standing and offer it to the Lord tonight? Let's stand together, every head bowed. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.